Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VGW. void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with shopify Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Oh, hello everyone and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm of course your host, Menas. I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? G'day, Menas. G'day, everyone. I'm good. And we've got a special guest all the way from Cape Town in South Africa. You will know her on Twitter as The Pop Increase. Fatima, welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. How are you? I am very well, thank you. I'm super excited for Saturday. Yeah, I'm really excited too. And, um, you know, look... Got a lot of feelings going into this South African Test series. Um, you know, often when we play South Africa, it brings out a lot of emotions in me. But I'm trying to keep <laughs> level-headed for this one. I'm trying to sort of steer away from the hate. Um, so you know, after what happened in 2018, you know, like the players, I hope the players go in with a more um, a nicer approach. I'm taking the same approach into the series. Um, so, yeah, so, um, look, huge episode of Cricket Unfiltered, the longest-running weekly podcast in Australian cricket, and uh, we will be smashing all the cricket headlines. Uh, we'll review the test against the West Indies. There's some big bash news. Australians are breaking records. Of course, we're going to preview the upcoming test series against South Africa, and then to wrap it all up, we've got Can't Let It Go. 
So a lot to get through. But before we get into that, this episode of Cricket Unfiltered is brought to you by NordVPN. And it's a perfect time to sign up for a VPN and sign up for, for NordVPN. If you're traveling and you want to keep up with all your shows, um, you can use NordVPN um, to use your apps wherever you are. It won't matter. And you'll be able to watch your, all the local programming. So, you know, if you're on holiday with your family and you're still watching some shows, you won't miss out. Yeah, I heartily endorse that. The uh, The use of the VPN overseas is fantastic. It's great in Australia as well if you're looking to watch something that's not actually being broadcast here. And um, NordVPN is the place to go. So uh, if you love the show, um, then uh, please check out in the show notes the address to go and sign yourself up. Yeah, so grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered. Uh, you get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and you get four months for free. It's also completely risk free with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. So go into the show notes, click the link, and that way NordVPN will know you've been listening to Cricket Unfiltered. All right, let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. Well, Australia have smashed the West Indies by 419 runs in the second test at the Adelaide Oval. They win the series 2-0. It was the ninth biggest loss by runs in test history. And, uh, yeah, uh, it was. A, I feel really sorry for the West Indies because they were, you know, there were so many injuries and they just didn't have a bowling attack. And, I don't know, they were up against it anyway. So when those injuries hit, they had no chance. I'm sad that the... Um... I mean, I'm sad that they got smashed, but I'm, I'm also sad they didn't get smashed um, by an even greater margin because regular listeners to the show, probably actually probably you don't know because I've never mentioned it, but it's been a bugbear of mine that the the biggest ever loss by runs is belongs to Australia from 1928-29 in Don Bradman's first ever test match. England won that by 675. And if you ever look up the scorecard for that, England batted again purely to be cruel. They could have just put Australia in for the follow-on and won by 200, but they batted for like two more days and scored at one and over and then it rained and Australia got uh, rolled. So I can see Menas is glowering at me like, what are you talking about 1928-29 when we're talking in 2022-23? But um, No, no, I'm just upset at the result. Oh, good. No, good. no, 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 no yeah. Yeah, I love the stats. I'm just pissed <laughs> off almost 100 years later. I'm like, you're, it's, I'm disappointed. Two of Australia's players were injured. Oh, you know. Anyway, Bradman was given out when he wasn't out. But to, to modern times, uh, it's really sad. It is really sad where the West Indies have slumped to and um, I don't know. Did, um, I mean, they, they, I mean, they were sh- they were shattered by injuries. I mean, they lost most of their bowling attack, which was pretty thin. So, you know, they didn't have time to fly them out. I kind of think they were up against it. I don't think they're actually this bad a side. And we saw in the first test, at least they put up a bit of fight. So, I, I just think it was just a series of bad situations for them. It's kind of like when Sri Lanka toured South Africa as well um, a couple of years ago. All the injuries, their bowling attack was completely depleted. South Africa, only time they've racked up hundreds of late against that depleted Sri Lanka bowling attack. So, yeah, very unfortunate for West Indies. Yeah, in the old days, they probably would have had these two performances against two state sides. And, you know, then they would have been able to bring out some, some new troops and whatever else. But it's brutal. Uh, you get two test matches, one on the fastest, bounciest pitch in the world, another under lights in Adelaide, and then it's all done and dusted. Although, curiously, they're coming back next year, which is a very strange quirk of the of the, um, of the the schedule. And I'm sure that the, the people at Cricket Australia are really looking forward eagerly to marketing that series. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, I, I think as well that series is going to be played at a different time of the year. It's going to be at the end of January, um, a more traditional sort of time slot for the test matches. So, But, yeah, you're right. It's, I bet CA aren't happy they're coming out again. There were some very good performances by um, some Australians in this match. So Manus Labashane made 163. Uh, Travis Head made 175. Uh, so that was Manus's. 10th test century. That was Travis Head's fifth test century. And um, Manus Labashain has scored 3,000 test runs in just 51 innings. Um, The only person ahead of him is the player um, Paul mentioned before, the great Sir Donald Bradman with 33 innings. So, you know, when you're second to Bradman in any record, um, it's it's incredible. So, uh, yeah, we're seeing greatness unfold. In the um, Yeah, what did you think, Fatima, of Manus? He is... Absolutely fantastic. I've I've had to I've had people on my Facebook page saying, Oh, he's just lucky, he's just lucky. He came out, I mean, wasn't his debut at the concussion sub? That's right. Well, no, he played before that, but that was when he was um recalled to the side. Right, okay, but early days was the concussion sub against Archer in England in those conditions. Mm. He's had testing conditions and he's done flipping well. So he doesn't get enough credit from certain people that he deserves. Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting point because there are. I saw on Twitter people were uh, comparing his home stats and his away stats. Uh, last I looked, his away average is about thirty nine. Which had he, if he had a home average of forty three or something, no one would be, no one would be talking about the difference. It's just that his home average is so enormous. I mean, an away average of thirty nine is is very very um, commendable, but it is going to be really interesting to see what he does in India and then in England. We've got a massive um, few test matches. If he can continue to perform at this level then, then he's going to be starting to edge into conversations of, um, you know, all-time greats, albeit this early in his career. Hey, Menas, um, you didn't read it, read it out, but I just want to just um, slight um, quibble with the notes. You said that um, uh, that he matched uh, West Indian Everton Weeks, who also reached the mark in 51 innings, and that he edged out Brian, Brian Lara and Bert Sutcliffe. Um, uh, I think you're meaning Herbert Sutcliffe. Uh, no one ever called Herbert Sutcliffe Bert because he was famous for never having a hair out of place. There's actually Bert Sutcliffe as a New Zealand player. Um, so, again, just looking to keep the, the listeners really entertained. <laughs> and I literally just copy and pasted that from somewhere. So I don't know ah. who you're correcting there. Um, Quality right, checking so- manners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can we edit that bit out before people just switch off? Um, now... <laughs> <laughs> now, Kawaja went past the 1,000 calendar runs for the year. Um, incredible. Is that right, Paul, 1,000 runs? I'll just uh, – yeah, I'll confirm that. I mean, which calendar you got? 1,066. <laughs> Were you on the Gregorian calendar or what? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Averaging over 82, so what a great year for him. Nathan Lyon took his 450th test wicket, just the third Australian to do that. Um, so all in all, a bit of a sort of um, nice little um, series for the Australians to warm up before they take on South Africa. Or is it is it a little false sense of security, maybe, just maybe? Well, look, I think South Africa will be a much bigger test and they'll, you know, they'll test our top order. You know, Kawaja will want a 35, I think, will be really tested by the extra pace. But, no, I think, you know, you it's a good, perfor- good performance to go into a, yeah. a series. No, definitely, you know, yeah. Time in the middle, wickets, Scotty Boland. Oh, yeah, I didn't mention Scotty Boland. He just decided in the second innings to take a triple wicket maiden. I mean, Fatima, you must be quaking in your boots about Scotty Boland. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a bad sign when he 
you know, he just comes into the side and you've already got Cummins, you've already got Stark, and oh my God, Boland as well. Let's just, let's, why not? Why not? Yeah, I saw a, a graphic of uh, Scott Boland's bowling and he seems seems to just hit the sort of same area the whole time, you know, that sort of shoebox just outside off stump. And, you know, when you do that, you, you know, you're making it very difficult for top-class batters because you're always testing their defence. It's a, sort of a bit like McGrath. They don't, you know, they don't look particularly dangerous, but then it's just the consistency. It's like you know Philander as well. Yeah, actually, yeah. Philander's is one of the most underrated bowlers in history. He's got a, a test record almost identical to Dennis Lilly's. Um, the person who should copy Boland is Cameron Green. Uh, too often he, he comes on and they've given him these moronic instructions to bowl bounces. Uh, he should just take a leaf out of Boland's book and just bowl, hit the top of off stump every single ball. With his extra height, he'd be a vastly better bowler if he did that. Is, is Green in ch- charge with being the enforcer? I think so. I think the Australians I, I, are still... I, I hate that word, by the way. Just, I hate it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, that McGrath was so successful because he wasn't trying to do that. And, um, yeah, Cameron Green could be, and I think he will be, a really successful test bowler. But I think that when they bring him on and say, bowl a few bounces, that should surely be plan D or something like that. When, mm-hmm. when nothing else is working, try mm-hmm. that. Not, not, not first from the Even Neil Wagner bowls some um, seam up to, to begin with. Now, after the match, the acting captain, Steve Smith, said that David Warner's life ban was unfair. And so that generated quite a few headlines here. So in the just uh, when we recorded the last show, uh, news had come out that David Warner had withdrawn from the process to have his life ban, leadership life ban overturned. And we were reacting to that pretty fresh, Paul. But a lot of people support what Steve Smith said, that a life ban's unfair. And, you know, in, in the interim since the last show, I think it's become clear that Cricket Australia just botched this whole process. They should never have got an external review committee in to handle this. Uh, they, uh, you know, the CEO, Nick Hockley, was on the radio saying it's best practice to do that. But you just do not always follow best practice. Um, and they could have handled this internally. And it would be done by now. It would actually be all over by now if it was handled properly. Yeah, I don't think it was best practice. I think that... Um you're absolutely right. They could have just, um, we, we said it last time, that the sensible thing for them to have done was at the point when it became clear that Warner was eager to try to have the ban overturned, have a quick meeting and make a decision and either say, no, nope, we're going with the life ban, which I would disagree with, but if they did that, at least they made a decision or say, yep, um, we've decided it was um, a bit harsh and just as at the time we imposed the ban in about two seconds, we're now going to rescind the ban in two seconds and say he's now eligible for captaincy positions again, rather than spending, what was it, nine months and 7,000 committees um, to come to no answer. Fatima, is someone that's, um, you know, sort of neutral in this and from a country that's used to dealing with players that tamper with the ball, you know, what's your... What's Just your... slightly put that in there. <laughs> what, what's your feeling about this life leadership ban? I don't honestly know. I mean, well, that's great. I, I mean, I, I just, I don't. <laughs> we don't oh. honestly know who was the instigator in that whole thing. So, if Warner was the instigator in that whole thing, yes, he should be banned for life. But if he was just a scapegoat, then no. I, I mean, I, I don't know. But I mean, Faf did it twice. He didn't get banned for life from captaining South Africa. I mean, you all have got posters of him up on the wall everywhere. Mint gate was a farce. Well, zippers, mints. What's the big difference? I mean, I, zippers, I, I remember mint. no zipper incident. Uh, selective memory there. <laughs> it's okay, so you, you're in favour of it. If he was the instigator, you're saying, yep, ban him for life. If 
was the instigator, yes. Okay, well, so I think there's a lot of people that, that, that there is a lot of people Australian cricket. And it, look, a lot of people agree with you. You know, there's there's a real hard line in Australian cricket that you know don't even like Smith captaining the side again. Um, so you know, you you're not on an island in that one. I think that, yeah, I I I, I, I respect that opinion and agree that there's plenty of people who feel that way, and I can see how um, how it would feel that way. I just sort of think he's done a, he's done his time. It wasn't. He wasn't a criminal offence. I think it's time to sort of um, let bygones be bygones. But as I said, either way, they should have just decided much more quickly. And the Smith, just on that, I think there's no problem with him being um, a captain again because his was a failure of, um, you know, just immaturity and, you know, I just I think what he did was at a lower level. I, I reject the notion that oh, because he was the captain, uh, he has to be uh, hung out to dry even more than the others. I still, I, I still think that the, the biggest instigator was Bancroft. He's the one that did it. And not only that, I mean, you know, the ICC let ball tampering run rife in international cricket. It was never properly dealt with. The sanctions were not harsh enough. Every team was doing it. Warner and Bancroft just went one step too far, you know. And they got caught. That's the thing. They got caught. Mm, yeah, it's not as smart as South Africans. They were probably using sandpaper. We just didn't catch it. Yeah. I mean, you know, if Super Sport was on them, they would have been caught as well. So, um, and look, and what this saga with Warner has has made me think in the last week is I'm very, very concerned that Australian cricket is not under the correct stewardship. And I don't say this lightly. I, t- I talk about the board. I talk about the senior management. We're now at a hat trick of complete bloody fumbles. You've got the Tim Payne debacle when he stood down from the captaincy last year where in his book he says a, a consultant was brought onto a call with the CEO. I mean, it should have just been the CEO saying, Tim, I want you to step down and that's it. You don't need a consultant to step in and say that for you. Then we had just the, the Justin Langer contract being so poorly handled that not only the reputation of the players and Langer would taken through the mud but also the whole team was and finally now we've got this thing with Warner where it blows up in their face just before we're playing our first test series against South Africa uh, South Africa again where all this is going to be brought up again anyway whether we like it or not so you know I'm not convinced that the people running the game are doing the right job and I know they do a, there's a lot of things we don't see but in the end you were judged on these big moments and they have failed repeatedly i agree and the those three things you 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 explain it very well uh let's imagine that there's another crisis brewing how much confidence do you have that they'll handle it well i don't have much confidence they'll they'll do the same thing they'll avoid making a decision there's nothing wrong generally with the notion of bringing in independent experts and whatever else there is a time and a place for that but sometimes you've just got to make a an intelligent decision and get things done and they've just been unable to do it so yeah they do do a lot of good things i think but i'm coming around to your point of view menace all right so now just sticking with david warner and and more uh, an issue on the field is that his form in test cricket is really starting to dip and he's averaging in the mid 20s this this year in test cricket he averaged in the high 30s last year but you know you put those two years together and it's not not great returns in test cricket i mean i mean fatima are you sort of thinking that he's vulnerable very much so page is gonna be very happy i think coming up to bowl to him yeah exactly. I, I think that yeah that's how yeah, that's Rabada's nickname Menas. sorry um, yeah sorry 
So <laughs> you'll have to forgive my co-host, Fatima. He doesn't really follow cricket. Um, <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> the thing with um, the thing with Warner is I've always been a huge fan and never, ever have I countenanced the idea of him being dropped from the side. But I think it's at the point now where you look at those stats in recent years, he had that abysmal series in England where he averaged 9.5 in 10 innings. He then belted up New Zealand and Pakistan, averaging 131. But since then, his averages across the series are 17, 34, 34, 21, 26. That's not really that good. So I would still pick him for the South Africa series because I think Australia, at home he deserves that opportunity and I still think he's every chance of coming good. And I'm not sure who else I would pick in his place, but I'd have a question mark over him for the India series and a very big question mark over him for the England series because there's no point in him going over there and doing that again in, in 2023. Didn't he say that, that this is going to be his last year of Test cricket, though? Or didn't he say something he hasn't like definitively He hasn't definitively said it, but he's alluded to it. Okay. But I, I actually think, you know, if he might pull the pin mm. much sooner than we think. And, and it might not just be form. I mean, he might decide he's had enough of touring. He can't be bothered going to India. He can't be bothered going to England. And he, you know, pulls up stumps at the SCG um, you know, when Australia is celebrating a series win over South Africa and, um, you know, he's played 100 tests. And um, so, you know, that might be a nice way for him to go off. But, you know, those four, those figures you read out, um, Paul, so, you know, 25 in the last series, 21 the series before, 34, 33, 16. Then the 131 is against Pakistan. And that, I'm not saying they were easy, easy runs. That was Pakistan and New Zealand, but they were really flat batting tracks. And my concern is now when you get Warner on pitches with a little bit of movement and testing him, he's just dropped off to a point now where he's quite vulnerable. And also, though, um, to your earlier point, that he might pull the pin for for reasons outside of his form. Surely this current debacle is not going to make him want to stay in the side for uh, any longer. That's another black mark against Cricket Australia that they should have surely said, look, he is one of our very best players. You, you've got to go out of your way to make sure that he gets treated well. And yeah, what he did in South Africa was deplorable. But that, oh yeah, that they they should have handled it so much better, as we keep on saying. I I mean, what I, if I, he says? What if he says, "No, I don't want to play for the Sydney Thunder." I'll, you know, maybe he plays this year, and then he decides next summer to go to one of the the other leagues. Maybe in South Africa, that'd be ironic. But maybe yeah. to the one in the the UAE and and make you know twice as much money and and say stuff you. Well, that's why I think that. They've got to extend the olive branch now because otherwise he could become like a loose cannon. If I was him and I was in a sort of a, a let's burn the house down mood, I'd be okay. Next year, instead of playing the big bash, I'm going to the the T Twenty League in the UAE, and I'm going to induce ten players to come with me. I'm going to um, be the face of that competition. I'm going to say to all the young players, "Come over there. We'll do this. We'll do that." I, you know, he he could just go um, really really hardcore in the wrong direction. I'm not saying that he will, but but now you've just given him an idea. So well done, Paul. Well, he's a very regular listener to this podcast, so that is um, yeah. – g'day, Davey. <laughs> <laughs> Write a book, Cummins knew everything. Um. But, but, but going, going back to how the you know the CA treated Warner, I think that is why Faf left South Africa because of the way he was treated. And, and you've got it. You're, you're right. You have to treat your best players well, otherwise they will leave. De Villiers as well. He would have oh, been playing yeah. white ball cricket longer if he hadn't been treated yeah. um, in a way that he wasn't happy with. 
So that leads nicely into our preview of the Australia v South Africa series. Uh, Fatima cannot wait. Um, <laughs> so it's three test matches. Uh, you know, they play at the Gabba, then the MCG and the SCG. Uh, Australia have all but confirmed their eleven for the first test. Uh, Scott Byla- Scott Boland will play with Cummins and Stark. Nathan Lyon obviously makes up the attack, and Hazelwood is ruled out of this match. And I actually don't think we'll see Hazelwood in this this test series at all. He's got a, a side strain. I think it's a, a left side strain. But, yeah, I think it's terrible timing, but we won't see him. Um, so Australia's 11 is confirmed. But, Fatima, uh, you know, what do you think South Africa will do with their balance of their side? Will they go with, uh, you know, a traditional six batters, a wicketkeeper and four bowlers, or will they go for maybe, you know, a top six with five bowlers? So, um, they've got the four quicks and the spinner. That's that's what I would do. I'll go four quick spinner and then keeper and then the, the five proper bats. I, I, batting yeah. is their problem, but bowling is their strength and they've got to go with their strength and they've just got to hope and pray their batsmen can actually score the runs. So going into that first test, um, what's their likely uh, lineup? So they'll, they'll open up with Elgar. And um, And so th- those two... Elgar, I thought, would have averaged more than he does. He only averages 39 in test cricket. I know. Um, I mean, he, he's he's a nuggety fighting cricketer, but he hasn't – he's he's had a good run recently. But, okay, I, I, made, I made the post a few weeks ago that I want big runs from the captain. You know, he's the captain. He should lead from the front with big centuries. He hasn't gotten a century for a long time. I got lambasted for saying that because, oh, what about Bavuma? What about Bavuma? You know? But it's like the captain should lead from the front. He's the opener. He's the captain. He's the most senior. Why is it wrong for me to say he should lead from the front? Yeah, I mean, he's a very good player, but he's always struck me. He's, he's quite stodgy. Yeah, maybe his output's a little bit lower than, than, I, than I sort of remembered it. Ervi, is that say it's Ervi? Ervia? Ervia. Ervia. I wrote that down a few months ago and practiced and practiced so I could say it, and then I've just completely forgotten. I've got no memory anymore. You wrote it down here. You wrote it down here, Eerie, E-R-E-E. That's how it's spelt. Well, it's a being, W in there. Being a Brit, it's also very difficult for me, you know. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so, Matt, so uh, the Elka and Irv, Irv opens up, yeah. Yes. And then who's at three? For me, it's Tennis De Brain. Even though I don't hmm? maybe agree with his selection, given that he is selected, I think he's number three. He averages forty-two in first-class cricket, only nineteen in tests, but forty-two in first-class cricket is pretty good. Yeah, Next but, up, number four. Yeah, but yeah, but there are others who average higher than him in first-class cricket as well that are younger and maybe deserved a chance. But okay, moving on. Number are four. They in, are they in the? Are they no. in the squad? The others? No. This is my um, problem. Well, I mean, I I love one of my favorite things on this podcast is to complain about the selection and and what players not in the squad to be brought in, which drives men as mad. So we, we better better leave that. So Rusty Van der Dusen's interesting in that he's got. Amazing white ball record, but a, a not, very, not such a great not, red ball yeah. record. He hasn't done it. Hasn't caught a fifty for over a year. He he owes them runs, definitely. But he does have some experience. He does give some stability to the middle. I'm hoping he can just buckle down. And after he made this ridiculous comment in the week of you know we've had bat- difficult batting conditions. I'm sorry, you're a Test batsman. This is your job. Buckle down and <laughs> score the runs. <laughs> And who's next after him? Bavuma. Yeah, so so he's at five. Yes, and That's then a, I got Carl Verena at six, which might yeah. be a spot too high. But then I got Janssen at seven, and I think he's and, and fairly he's, decent. Janssen. Yeah. 
But Ray is good. He's got it. I've always he's got a fifty-two mm. first-class average. He can play. This is what I'm saying. Yes, he doesn't. And if he, they did, if they go for six batters, though, who'll be the other one? Only, it could only be Zondo. Zondo, okay. But then they said everyone's saying drop and Gidi. And Gidi's test record is phenomenal. I don't think it's right to drop him. And we saw what happened in England in the second test when they dropped the, the four seam attack. Okay, very different conditions and all. But it, it does for me, South Africa, the full pace attack and spin is the way to go. What so, about Klassen? So, Wouldn't he get mm. in there somewhere? Oh, I see. I suppose Klassen, yeah. There would be a shootout between him and Zondo then if they wanted to go the extra bat. So if they're going to go for the bowl, the three three quicks only, it's Rabada, Nokia, and Ngidi slash Janssen. Is that right? You see, I don't think you can drop Janssen, though. Well, they should drop the spinner then. Uh, don't play a spinner. There, there, there's no need. Is there no need? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that – I mean, the he's a good bowler, um, but I just don't see Maharaj – Destroying but, Australia. But you you Australia. see, also when 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 South Africa played Bangladesh, he barely bowled. Like he bowled maybe four overs in a whole, whole Test match. Oh, not Bangladesh. It was India, I think. Well, so they played someone recently where he barely bowled. So I, I don't I don't think they they should. If if it's not needed, yeah, you're right. They shouldn't play the spin. So they obviously have Rabada, um, who I think is a very even match for Cummins, two of the best in the world. Ngidi's record's fantastic. On paper, he's better than um, any of the other Australians. So he's ahead of, say, Stark. And then if they go with Janssen, um, albeit a fairly brief test career, but his first-class average of 21, that's better than, let's say, Boland. And that's, um, I don't know, you, you, you could say that, Australia, I think, comfortably are a better batting side. But I think oh, yeah. looking at that, you'd say that South Africa probably have the edge when it comes to bowling. I would like to think so. But KG's form has been a bit off of late. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm interested to see if that was just maybe limited overs and his test form will just go back to normal come Saturday. But I'm... I'm, I'm, does, he I'm go, does he still go around shoulder charging opposition batters? or No, he that he's habit? calmed down, unfortunately. That's good. Um, <laughs> but, so, I, so, but I so want to see that passion, you know? See, so yeah, the other one as well is um, that we're talking about um, Norkia. Um, what about this uh, Glenton Sturman? He's got an average of 22. It looks pretty handy. Yeah, but see, I don't, especially for the first test, I want to go with the tried and tested. I don't want to bring in new people and, you know, against Australia. In Australia, it's it's tough for a new, newbie. A couple of things. Well, I, I agree with you that, at the Gabba in particular, four quicks might be the right option for South Africa. If your batting's weak, go six batters, keeper at seven, four quicks, and just throw them at us. Throw them at us. When you get to the MCG or the SCG, it's going to be different. You'll need your spinners at the SCG. It's a dry dust bowl there. You'll need Maharaj and you'll need Harmer. You'll probably need both. MCG could go either way, but at the Gabba, if you're going to throw four quicks at Australia, that is certainly the venue. I still think Australia is vulnerable to good spin bowling in the middle order. So, but I, I, looking at South Africa's batting, probably that's the way to go. And I, I should make it really clear to everyone listening out there. I mean, this is a matter of personal pride for Australia. South Africa have come here and won on their last three tours. It, this should be on the paper every day that we've let a touring side come here and win their last three test series. I mean, Paul, no other side has come, come close to doing that. India have won their last two, but... I mean, South Africa are our fiercest rival when it comes to them playing in our own backyard. 
Off the top of my head, I don't think any team would have done that since the 1880s when England did it. And um, I could be wrong. But yeah, and it's it's weird how that's not known as much as it, as it should be because uh, Fatima, you said you can't wait for Saturday. I don't know that that's how the Australian cricketing public are feeling. I think there's certainly a lot more interest in this South Africa series than there was for the West Indies series. But um, there hasn't been the build-up that I think it deserves, and it's, it is a great pity that they can't play a five-test series, but that's the way it is. Um, but hopefully uh, South Africa can come out of the blocks and absolutely, you know, if they bowl first and roll Australia for 100 or something and really get into the series, and that might sort of cause everyone to sit up and take some notice. Like the, 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 the hype here also isn't grand because it's, you know, two in the morning for us here. It's like people aren't going to get up to watch South Africa collapse and they're not going to get up to watch South Africa do badly. And, you know, it's like they're like, no, I'm not going to waste my time. Like I'm not going to lose my sleep, which I get because I sat up in that T20 World Cup, the horrific show against the Netherlands. And, you know, but <laughs> I will be up at two o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And I, honestly, I cannot wait. I'm, I'm, I may be a glutton for punishment, but I honestly can't wait. Well, that's good, and I'm, I'm I'm glad there's some pessimism in South Africa. But but uh, I mean, you, you shouldn't have brought up that Netherlands uh, game. I mean, you know, it's just the, the end of so. I mean, so many heartbreaking World Cup exits. I was on a South African cricket podcast last night, and to warm up for that, I just went through YouTube watching because it was late at night. The recording, so I needed to keep awake so you know went through the 99 world cup you know the tired edgbaston i was at that ground as i only mentioned every second podcast and then you know 2003 when pollock you know misread the the scores um you got 96 where you you know face lara in form i was at the scg when the rain rules knocked you out in 92 93 oh were you yeah lost i know i'm not i don't look that old but i I was very young um and then you know now they like lose yeah. to the 2015, Netherlands. 2015, the whole Abs- fiasco um, in New Zealand with the quotas and everything. Um, and 2007, which isn't mentioned enough, for Sean Tate to knock you out of the World Cup. Um, that's a that's a bit of a sad thing as well. I was so nervous going into that game in 2007 because, you know, Australia had got, had the wood over South Africa and then all of a sudden South Africa were like five for 30. Like if yeah. you were a South African fan, you were just like, oh, my God, this is a complete disaster. Yeah, have, good we, have, times. We, have we left any out, Fatima? Have we have we got them all? I think you've got them all. <laughs> I just want to say the the, the 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 Netherlands game, it was their own damn fault. If they just played better, they would have won. It, they were mm. complacent, they were cocky, and they paid the price. It's just, it just must be sort of permeating in the DNA now of South African cricketers. This just, you know, this bogey of the World Cups. I mean, it's amazing because, you know, in between such a good team, and that's why I'm really looking forward to this series because I know – and I'm going to ask you in a second, Fatima, why South Africa will win this series. But yeah. my great fear is, and this always seems to happen, and I brought up like Jacques Dumini, is that his name? Jacques Dumini? JP What's Dumini. Uh, JP Dumini. You know, he, he is, he's a very average test cricketer, but he had a, a series where he just played well above his median and won, basically won that series for South Africa here two series ago. And, you know, my worry is one of these nobodies from South Africa is going to have a, a series where they announce themselves or they just play out of their skin for one series and then disappear again. My dad was um, obviously, I've told you this before, Menas, but um, around that time, someone, you know, those questions you sometimes hear, if you could get rid of one thing in the world, what would it be? And people say, oh, hunger or poverty or war or or some people go insects or cockroaches or whatever dad said do many 
<laughs> I tell you that game. It was it was it was um, my first year in in Cape Town, and um, I woke up in the middle of the night. Oh, South Africa are playing, and I turned on the TV, and I was like, Oh my god, Dumini and Stain! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I cannot tell you how painful that partnership was. They put on almost two hundred. I cannot 200, tell you how incredible that partnership was. Yeah, but I'm telling you, yeah, it wasn't as as bad as it was. You know, yeah. Anyway, it wasn't as bad as the for the fans at Edgbaston that day. Now, Fatima, why will South Africa win this series? Why will they win their fourth Test series in a row in Australia? Share luck. Okay, <laughs> so you're not confident. So if you're tipping Australia. I'm not confident in the batting. I'm hopeful, but I'm not confident. Okay. Well, you didn't answer the question. So, what would what would what would happen if it they would? Were to it win? would yeah. it would take a solid effort from the batsmen. It would take at least two of them every innings to score at least eighty, if not more, consistently. They haven't done that, and I don't know that they can do that because they keep going mm. after wide ones and playing flashy strokes and T20ized. They don't know how to play solid Test innings anymore. Okay. All right. So Fatima is very pessimistic. I mean, I'll make the case for you then. You know, if you're to win, it'll be we've got two 35-year-old openers up against some very quick bowling, Kawaja and Warner. Manus and Smith are going to score a lot of runs, but they can't do it all. Then you've got Head, who is a very good player, but, you know, this will be his greatest test in terms of facing good fast bowling. Green looked pretty awful against the West Indies, so, you know, can he perform? And then, you know, carry in the tail. So, you know, if South Africa can actually, you know, get on a roll with the ball. But then, no, I'm not, then I'm not just... concerned with the bowling. The bowling is absolutely world class. I'm not concerned at all. My concern is can the batsmen put up enough runs to mm. help the bowlers get the win? That's what they need to yeah, do. Like... They haven't been doing that. Yeah. Will they pass 200, I guess, is the concern. Yeah. yeah. What about this Brevis? Is he a good player? Brevis, he hasn't played any first class cricket. He's 19 years old. Can we just give him a little bit of a break, please? Okay, sorry. Um, so, so Paul, so that that young player, what did he score in a 50-over game? Like, Anyway, Paul, so why will Australia win? Uh, well, obviously, I'm not sure that they will. Um, I think that if, if I had to put my life on the series, I suppose I'd pick Australia simply because at home and touring sides often get into trouble here. You, you know, you, if Australia happened to bat first and it was a flat wicket and day one, they're three for 300, it would just be – it would be hard to come back. So – most a lot of things have to go right for the touring side to win, but certainly it could happen. I mean, um, they they certainly could win South Africa, but I suppose if Australia do win, I would say it's going to be a combination of that it is hard to win uh, in Australia for for overseas trip teams. Although South Africa have bucked that trend of late. Secondly, the Australian batting lineup that you mentioned then, you, you could look at it in another way. The way you described it, I'm not saying it's inaccurate, but you could also say Kawhi is in the form of his life. Warner's one of the best batters we've had in a long time. Smith and um, Lava Shane are two of the best batters Australia's ever had. Head's in the form of his life. Green is has you know enormous potential and, and carries good and the tail is, is handy. And you could say, actually, it's a very, very powerful batting lineup and they have the, the means to be able to, com- to combat the South African lineup, which... Um, as Fadova says, like I mean, is are, are they absolutely bowling at the level that their figures would indicate? Um, um, who knows? But um, the feeling is that maybe Rabada is not quite as good as he once was. But th- th- there was a feeling there was a feeling that that was the case a couple of years ago that he's come roaring back and bowled brilliantly more recently. He, so. he does he does like to bring his best for Australia. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. 
Anyway, yeah, I, I hope it's a pasting. I hope we paste them. I'm gonna I don't want a close series. No, I, I, I want it to be uh, – look, as a, as a patriotic, I'd love it to, to be 3-0 and absolute destruction. But for cricket in Australia, uh, I think that if, if it's a pasting and the series is, goes the way of the West Indies, then it's, it's going to be a really bleak summer for cricket. It, in won't be, it, won't be, it won't be that bad. I mean, it will be closer, but I just it, – it all comes down to the batsmen. I'm, I'm, I keep going on about it, but I'm, I made a little preview video um, that I've put on – Twitter and Facebook yesterday, and um, it's it's the, the the openers need to put on a good platform. Debray needs to. This is his second chance. He needs to take it. If not, this is his last chance. He's out because I don't think he he needs to prove to a lot of people, including myself, that he deserved to be there. But Vuman needs to get his second test ton already because, for goodness' sake, I'm I'm sick and tired of defending him. And Rusty just needs to get runs. They they just need to do their jobs. I can't see how Bavuma's in the stop in the top. In the starting lineup, to be quite honestly, frank, I mean he's got a test average of thirty-four. Yeah, but That's... you have to look at how he's batted in the last couple of years. He's the only one in twenty twenty-one that averaged over fifty in that whole side. He's the reason why South Africa won a lot of their games because he was having partnerships with Quinton or the tail, and he was getting them over the over like the two hundred mark or, or something, you know. And he was giving the bowler something to bowl at. You take him out, you see what happened in England. Yeah, well. It all starts this Saturday. Three test matches. I can't wait. Hold on a I want to move on. I, want to, I, I don't want to ignore that point because it could be a good point. Um, I, I don't want to unfairly characterise Bavuma through my own ignorance. So, yeah, he's got um, – <laughs> he averaged 45 against – in South Africa. Then he averaged 54 in Pakistan. He's averaged 59. Yeah, you're right. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's some good – some good set of numbers um, in the last few series. So, and a, and yes, a lot of um, times he, he bats with the tail, so he's often not out. So if he, if he was had a little bit of support from one of the top four, he could have actually done better, you know. Just the top four aren't doing their jobs. All right, in the light of your um, argument, I, with, I withdraw my um, uh, criticism of Babuma. Thank you. Okay, the, the, withdraw, the withdrawing has been acknowledged. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> Uh, Fatima, you know what I'm really loving is this, there seems to be like a lot of scar tissue there about how poor the batting has been mm. for South Africa recently. You know, you, you had so many star batters for so long and, and now it's it's seem, seemingly devoid. But do, do, of- do you know why it's so annoying right now? Because people like Elga and Rossi are coming out and saying that we were, we were unfair with conditions. No, yep. this is your job. You're not going to yeah, get flat be... tracks all the damn time. You're going to have to fight for your runs. That's what you're an opening batsman for. I like it. I like the passion. All right, let's move on. Lots of cricket headlines to get through. Then we've got Can't Let It Go. Uh, the, the next bit of news, uh, just staying on administration of Australian cricket, uh, the chairman of the board, Lachlan Henderson, will step down. He'll re- be replaced by Mike Baird, who is the former New South Wales Premier. Um you know, it's, we've had a lot of board changes in the last three years, and I keep saying whenever this happens, I hope they do a better job than the one before. And I think um, I, I'm saying the same. You know, Paul and I touched on the the way Australian cricket is run, so certainly um, needs to change. Just on the, the Lachlan Henderson stepping down, it's nothing to do with performance base. It's just his work situation has changed. Some other news that has finally been confirmed, Steve Smith will play for the Sydney Sixers in the Big Bash. Uh, basically, he will replace James Vince in the squad when he leaves and um, he's being paid 
by Cricket New South Wales and Cricket Australia, um, some marketing fees, and he'll play in the last four games, I think, and then the the final series if the Sixers are there. And it's set that Smith and Warner will play in the um, Sydney Derby. So that'll add a lot to that game, which is being played at the SCG. But so I, I, I just... I don't Don. follow the BBL. Has Smith never played in it? No, it's just been a, a series of issues getting him into the Big Bash. And last year he wasn't allowed to play. There's been issues this year that they didn't want to pay him extra marketing money, whereas they paid David Warner that. And, you know, I just, Paul, I just don't understand how it's so hard to get one of our star players into a competition he wants to play in. He has every reason not to play. He, he, he could be resting ahead of the Indian tour. He could say, he you know, he gets paid a lot more to play in T20 comps and other spots. But, no, he's still going to do it. And for some reason they had to jump through hoops to get it done. It's ridiculous. I completely agree with you. The whole concept of the competition is to make cricket attractive for um, families and new viewers and make it a breezy, fun summer entertainment. Smith being in there is a huge part of that. They should have, uh, I've written in the notes, they should just say, we're going to add a Steve Smith law in and something along the lines of, notwithstanding any of the above um, conditions, uh, in the event that the addition of a player to the tournament is in the best interest of cricket in Australia, then that player shall be added and any franchise which objects can get stuffed. Like, I just think that they're all understandably wanting to have the rules followed because, you know, the Perth Scorchers want to win and the Adelaide Strikers want to win. I could not care less who wins the Big Bash compared to I want the Big Bash to be a success. I want there to be big crowds in. If you said to me that um, the Sydney Sixers never win another game, but the Big Bash is a great success, I'll take that every single day of the week. Um, So uh, they shouldn't have to bend over backwards. Just get him in there. Having said all of that, I'm now going to retract that completely and say he shouldn't be playing because (laughs) they need to be preparing for the Tour of India. The Tour of India starts on the 9th of February. The the, the Sydney Test Match. But the... The Tour of India, in 2017, Australia almost beat India in India, and I think part of the reason for that was that they had a a decent two-week preparation at the Centre of Excellence in the UAE where they got to play on spinning wickets, and they need to do something similar. If they all just forced them to play in the Big Bash all the way through and then rock up to India um, with you know, barely even a tour match. That's not the recipe for success in India. And as much as it's going to pain the broadcaster who's already hating them to, to say, look, we're, we're, not, we're not actually going to allow Steve Smith to play because we're going to say the Sydney Test match finishes on the 8th, give him a week, 10 days off, and then straight across to um, either India directly or to the UAE to, to practice. And that's the best way. That's what we've got to do. And as much as I want the Big Bash to succeed, it's got to be subservient to the Test side. The only thing I will say is, you know, like you – want him to have a break. But maybe for Smith, going and having a bit of fun in the Big Bash is kind of a break for him. You know, maybe he's not one of those play, you know, people that can just be at home resting. So I, I think there will be a lot of players that don't go to the Big Bash. And Andrew McDonald, the Australian coach, was talking about that today, that, you know, players like Scott Boland that were earmarked to go and play in the Big Bash may not now with all this coming up. So I think it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah, that's a fair point. But what I would say is that what they should say to Steve Smith is, in a perfect world, if you were going on a tour of India, when would you start your preparation for India with Indian conditions? And whatever date he said from that, that's the date that he has to be um, in the UAE or in India. And however many days between the end of the City Test match and that, he can do whatever he wants. And if he wants to play in the Big Bash, go for it. Okay, now we're running out of time. So last cricket headline, um, the Australians are over in India playing. The Australian women's team are over in India playing a five-match T20 series. Um, 
at the moment the series is one all. Uh, I mean, there's been some significant uh, debuts for Australia. Phoebe Litchfield, Heather Graham, Kim Garth is now the only Australian woman to play for two international teams. Um, but but the, and in the second match it was tied, mm-hmm. and then it went to a super over. But I think the the thing to really take note of here is the crowds. There was around twenty five thousand at the first match and forty five thousand at the second match. That's seventy thousand. Um, people over two matches for women's cricket in India. That is just stunning. It's it's a it's a great um, I think a great it's great credit to the Aussies because I think you know they they draw a big crowd because they're a star team. But um, yeah, Australia had won twenty one T twenty matches in a row before they lost that um, match to a super over. But I mean, Fatima, the women's IPL is coming next year, and judging by these crowds, it's going to be a huge success. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm. I'm looking forward to it, but it's also another tournament I'm going to have to update on and it's like more time for me to spend on cricket, which, you know. <laughs> but um, the, the T20 World Cup's first and I'm really looking forward to that because that's in South Africa. Oh, wow. Great. Are you going to go to many of the games? I don't know with work and stuff, but um, I'll definitely be watching. Yeah. Awesome. It's great when the World Cup's run in your time zone. I know. At forty five thousand, it's um it's an extraordinary crowd. I'd argue that that's probably more significant than the eighty seven thousand at the World Cup final here a couple of years ago because that was the World Cup final. It was an event. Melbourne's Melbournians love to turn up to an event. It was a brilliant crowd. But forty five thousand, the women's T twenty World Cup final. Yeah. 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 But forty five thousand for a bilateral T um, twenty in India. I think that's um, that could be the biggest the biggest news headline in women's cricket for many a year that finally that will finally set the Indian administrators to realize we are, you know, we are mad to have not had a a women's IPL for, for all these years. And they'll make, they're very good at catching up, um, you know, making up for lost time in India. They'll, um, the women's IPL might very quickly push the WBBL into, um, into very, very much the second place. And for those uh, who missed it, I raised that with uh, the, Big Bash uh, GM Alistair Dobson three episodes ago. So go and have a listen to that. But yeah, that's a great series going on in India. And yeah, Paul, I mean, how you know that crowd? Not only was it a big crowd, but India put on a show, um, came from nowhere to tie that game and then win it in the super over. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. um, All right. Well, that is the cricket headlines and the preview of the South African Test series. We'll be back in a minute with Can't Let It Go. All right, let's get into Can't Let It Go, that little bit of cricket news you just can't let go through to the keeper. And I think with that introduction, it's appropriate to to pass it over to our guest, Fatima. What's your Can't Let It Go? The soft signal. I mean, did you guys see the the catch that happened yesterday? The bump ball, the one that Ollie Pope... It was, it, it was absolutely a So this is the, match, the test match against Pakistan. Yes. Uh, England won. I mean, okay, so. So what's your problem with the um, soft signal? Articulate it. If the umpire doesn't know, hasn't seen what's happened, how can he be in a position to say yes or no? That's going to influence the third umpire. If he doesn't know, give the, all the responsibility to the third umpire who has all the technology to make an informed decision. Why is he clouding his judgment by giving him, I don't see it, but I'm going to say yes, it's out. Well, the one thing I, like, I, I want to agree with that, and maybe I do, but I'm interested in what you say to this, that the soft signal came in 
to solve the problem that existed when it used to be that, that when they weren't sure, they'd go upstairs and invariably they were having to strike out catches that everyone agreed probably had been caught. But because there was a possibility that a millimetre of the ball might have touched the ground, there's this feeling of, oh, well, and you kept on hearing the foreshortening of the lens. And so they brought the soft signal in so that they could say, look, that's the catch at second sleeve. I think he's caught that, but I just want to make sure... Okay, I'll, I'll give it. A- <clears throat> but that's fine. But what about the boundary? There's no way the umpire can see what's happened on the boundary line from where he's standing. <clears throat> How can he make his decision? Good point. But park that point for a second, and I'll come back to that. But but ter- in terms of the the second slip example, how would you feel if there's one where everyone thinks, "Yep, he probably got that." It's kind of a relief there when the when the soft signal works, when they can say, "I can't really overturn that," and everyone kind that's of knows fine. that he's caught it. That's fine, so would the but, answer but, be then that the umpire doesn't have to give a soft signal? Maybe the umpire can say, second slip, I'm pretty sure he's caught that soft signal out. Uh, deep square leg boundary, I've got no idea. I'm not giving a soft signal. If he can see it, fine, give a decision. But I, I, I don't – I just don't like the rule in general. I mean, but yesterday's example – yesterday's incident – you can clearly see the ball touch the ground. None of this, you know, the the camera doesn't give full 3D perspective nonsense. It touched the grass. It was not out. But that is probably an umpiring mistake, though. That's not the soft signal's fault. That's the third umpire's fault, surely. Yeah, but he had to... But because the on-field was given out, he had to... He, he thought he had no conclusive evidence to overturn it. But he did, and he, that's where I think that maybe the mistake is. But then why 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 didn't he then say sorry I made the I made the wrong call sorry he's not out why was it allowed to he, why was he allowed to walk off because he stuff I think well I, I presume it's that umpires make mistakes no I'm sorry that that big of a mistake can't just be let go yeah, something has to happen Joel Wilson has improved over the years but he's got he's had a number of dodgy calls yeah he has um, he, he, he was um, struggling in the ashes in 2019 from from memory. All right, so I agree with you, Fatima. That was a shocker. That was an absolute shocker. And and, and Paul, Paul, Paul is the biggest fan of technology. I mean, he he loves DRS, and this is what if you're going to use the technology, you've got to just say, okay, you let the technology do its job. Yeah, I mean, they've started to do the whole um, third umpire's calling no ball, and that's been fantastic. How many no balls have we realised were missed? Well, more than that. No, I I love the fact that that it's more that that. Rather than so many that we now realise were missed, it's more that the bowler now gets a, a notification that they are overstepping, and then they pull it back. And so we we're seeing far fewer wickets off no balls, which is yeah. the most unsatisfying yeah. spectacle um, in, in world sport, I think. Um, but yeah, but it's, I, I, I'm all for it. Uh, I just think that there's that issue. Maybe it's it's one of these things where what our instinct are is, oh, he's definitely caught that or she's definitely caught that. In actual fact, maybe there was a blade of grass and maybe it is appropriate that it, it, a few more catches get struck down. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not against the soft signal being removed. I just think maybe in this instance the soft signal it, wasn't at fault. It might have been the umpire that was at fault. I do think it needs to be amended, though, because they, they, can't, they can't make a call at the, at the boundary. If they haven't seen it, they can't, make, they can't make a call. Yeah, I agree. All right, now, Paul, what's your can't let it go? Um, so Manners and I were commentating uh, in the Kingsgrove Sports Cup on the weekend and we got to see the semi-final at beautiful Coogee Oval. And as I do, whenever great. I go We to did a-, a great job. So good. Such good commentary. <laughs> whenever I go to a, a new ground, my first thought is, how did Bradman go at this ground? So um, I brought along my Bradman book to the game and I was leafing through it. And it didn't look like you'd ever played at Coogee Oval. 
Um, and then the last opportunity that he would have had before he left New South Wales and went to South Australia, I saw that St. George did play Ramwick at Coogee Oval on the 10th and the 17th of October, 1931. And I thought, I wonder how Bradman went. So I'll read you out the scores. Uh, the, uh, the other players scored 6, 29, 2, 39, 10, and 24 not out. And Bradman, 246. <laughs> 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 Excellent stuff. All right. Um, did that make the broadcast on Sunday? I can't remember if you yeah, found yeah. it after. Oh, good. No, no, it was during the broadcast, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was good. It was, it was great um, fun. Yeah. Um, all right. So my, I've got two can't let it goes. It sorry, no, no, sorry, you're right. It didn't make the broadcast. It made TikTok. I'm getting confused between the broadcast and TikTok. Sorry. That's a really important distinction, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, next time can we have that research in the broadcast rather than <laughs> on TikTok? All right. Now, um, I've got two can't let it go. It's been reported that um, Candace Warner was making her way around the Adelaide Oval with her kids and some abuse was thrown to her by some drunk males and um, she confronted them. Um, and in the wake of that, Cricket Australia has offered families greater security. Um, you know, this may be needed when Australia tours South Africa, but this should not be needed when we're at home. And, you know, I think this is a, a real – it's a disgrace to the Australian cricket public that this happened and um, – you know, uh, you know, one thing that I saw during the T20 World Cup is a lot of fans go to cricket and they don't need to fill themselves with 20 beers to have a good time. And, you know, I just think it's deplorable. And, um, you know, the not just those people responsible, but everyone should take a look at themselves. You know, if you're going to cricket to get plastered, maybe you actually shouldn't be there. 100%. Well, that, yeah, Absolutely, it's disgraceful. I can't believe anyone would do this. They should find these people and make sure that they never never turn up to a game of cricket again. Um, but yeah, um, and I, I I don't mind people having a, a drink at the cricket as long as they can hold it together. And I mean, this is Absolutely. beyond the pale. This is this is insane. Um, but you're right, men. Is the, the problem is that when this is not with this issue. This is, there's no excuse for what they did. But the problem with this general uh, sort of lunatic behaviour is that sometimes people who are not used to drinking for eight hours straight go a bit crazy and then that's a that, that can be a problem but and in the hot have, sun and all that stuff you know yeah that's why i was, I was always, always impressed with what i've seen in england where that they they seem to manage they to can, balance they it they can hold it but they yeah, know, have but, to, you know they have to close the bars you know when but, i was there they would close the bars for two or three hours to slow people down where so in england that's good yeah absolutely when not i was when going I, to the well that's but when I was, when so England were last here and I was at the Cape Town game for the New Year's test and I, the, the, the media box was right above the Barmy Army, as the day wore on, they got more and more louder, the drunker and drunker they got. And but it was the, very the, loud. The home test matches in England, what I've seen is they're all drinking, but they're all like, um, I remember towards the end, one guy, um, he was dressed as a bride, curiously enough, um, <laughs> and he was there, he'd had a thousand beers, but he still, he still had the Test Match special earpiece in and he was still watching every ball. Like he was pretty drunk, but he's still watching every ball and, and treating with some respect. That Sounds like that, a high-functioning alcoholic. I, I, yeah, and then I saw the mirror. Um, but the, the, that, um, I think that the thing is that um, I, I, I think because it's a less popular game in England, it doesn't quite get as many casual fans. So I think some, of the, some people get dragged along to the cricket in Australia because it's a thing to do and they then decide, oh, well, might as well get plastered. Whereas in England, I think more often than not, people go because they are genuine fans. 
And, you know, I remember during the, the T20 World Cup, I, um, you know, went down to the fans and you had the Pakistan fans not drinking and the England fans drinking and that you could tell the different atmosphere. Um, all right, and we'll, I've got one quick la- can't let it go that Ben Stokes was asked after the test against Pakistan how he felt about Steve Smith playing some county cricket before um, the Ashes next year. And he, he said, it's one of those where you probably prefer them not to get any game time in England before the Ashes. It is what it is. And I... Um, I see where Stokes is coming from and you would not have English players playing in the Sheffield Shield in the lead up to an Ashes. Um, But, yeah, I think the county cricket benefits from having um, overseas players there. But I do see where he's coming from. The only reason that the States wouldn't want English cricketers ahead of the Ashes is that they wouldn't think they're good enough. We're so arrogant and partially it's probably true that with only six States and we've got to produce our own talent, there's just not the room to bring imports. If English cricket didn't, with their 18 counties, if they didn't have... um, if they hadn't had imports over the years, the standard of county cricket would be deplorable. Like it's been Malcolm Marshall and others who have really, uh, from from that generation onwards, is you know keeping that standard really, really high. And plus, um, if they're going to ban um, Australians from going into the county cricket before that, we should surely ban Mike Hussey from coaching their side. <laughs> Good point. Um, all right, well. We've come to the end of Cricket Unfiltered. Uh, Fatima, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Cape Town. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I'd love Thanks, to check Fatima. In you, check in with you again during the series. Yes, Definitely. I'd love yeah. to. And enjoy the cricket on Saturday. I hope it's a great you day. You too. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening to Cricket Unfiltered. Rate and review the show. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app. um, And we'll be back next week with another show. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.